Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Sometimes there is a training mission. Sometimes there is a battleground, a war zone, but they're there. And that is something that we need to be reminded of on a regular basis. As a matter of fact, last week when I had to name the nine um, members of the 101 Airborne, um, someone was listening to the show who has a son who's currently serving uh, and about to come back to that very place, that fort in Kentucky. And uh, they were just appreciative that I spent that time heralding the great accomplishments of those men and that one woman. And it's been a very interesting 24 hours and and a sad 24 hours. Yesterday, remember, I was in such a good mood and I had found a couple of things that just made me feel as though justice often does get served. And then I got off the air and I got word that a very dear friend of mine, a relentless fighter. Uh, and actually, when Norm Kent stepped away from his morning drive radio program 33 years ago, I stepped into that slot. And, you know, so in many ways, he was single handedly responsible for getting me out of overnights and into a day part that is usually only hosted by very, very well-established and very popular and very, uh, you know, profitable radio hosts, which he was. Um, He was always the station liberal, a relentless fighter. He was, he did pass yesterday. Uh, He was 73 years old, and uh, he had found out, well, A couple of years ago, he had fought back against cancer and had won that battle. Ten years ago, I think it was, because I remember quite clearly um, that I spent a lot of time with him during that bout. But 18 months ago, he found out that he had pancreatic cancer and that the prognosis was not good. And it's funny because it it was kind of in the height of, of COVID lockdowns and shutdowns and we were infrequently in touch, mostly by text messages, but hadn't really had an opportunity to spend much time together, talked a couple of times on the phone. And when he found out he was diagnosed, he did, he did call me and I said, well, what are you going to do? And he said, I'm going to a Dodgers game. I'm flying to Atlanta. <laughs> and you had to know Norm to know that nothing stopped, nothing came between him and baseball, especially the Dodgers. Oh, Brooklyn Dodgers, when they went to L.A., he tracked out to L.A. He went to L.A. Dodgers fantasy camp. I will never forget that, where he got to play. Oh, it was like the highlight of his experience. Norm was not just a friend. Norm was my attorney, my agent. 
and just a stand-up guy. And we didn't agree on anything politically. It was the funniest thing. In the beginning of my career, I was a little more you know, lefty than I was um, to the right. But he would make, he was one of the reasons that I saw the absurdity of the left. And I love him to pieces, but he was just so far left. It was sometimes painful to have a conversation with him. But he and his partner, Russell Cormican, who was his law partner for a quarter of a century, um, they represented me. And, and that is, you know, you have to have a lot of faith in a person when whatever you're going through is on the line, whether it's a, you know, a libel suit, a criminal justice matter, whatever it is. And Norm was, was always there. And he wasn't just there for me. If I sent someone to Norm Kent's office, whether they had money or didn't have money, he got to work. And that's just the way he was. But what he'll probably be most remembered for, which is interesting, is his championing of gay rights Norm was gay, and he founded South Florida's, you know, uh, gay newspaper, sold it for a lot of money. Um, but he also was instrumental in the uh, organization called Normal, which was the national organization to reform marijuana laws. And, I'm, you know, we disagreed vehemently on that subject, but he was so passionate. I'll never forget that first case that he took where, um, and I can, I can remember it vividly because we would talk about it on the air endlessly. And he was the, the expert at the time. And what end up, ended up happening was he represented a woman in Florida who had um, glaucoma and needed to use marijuana. And so he became a big advocate and he was he just he stu stood up to everybody that's that's the simple truth um he was a, a a rogue and he'll be missed you know um 13 days ago before he passed he wrote a opinion piece that was published in the South Florida Gay News, which was the publication he had started and sold. And, it, and, and the title of it was, What is Hospice and What It Means to Me? And what can I tell you? When you read those things, you know people's hearts. So anyway, you know, my hope is that he's already playing baseball up there in heaven. Because if anybody, if anybody loved baseball, it was a norm. And of course, he, he, he loved a lot of things, loved a lot of people, was loved by a lot of people. And I didn't think I was going to cry because I did all my crying yesterday, but you never know. His, he will not, his life will not go unremarked. And that's all any of us can ask for because it's not that beginning date and it's not the end date that matters. It's what happened in between those two dates. And he lived a very full life. If cut short, it was still, you know, I can only hope to have, you know, so many people remembering me fondly as he will. Then on top of it, I have another dear friend who has been in a nursing facility, a nursing home 
for about two years now, and she also transitioned yesterday. So yesterday was just a very emotional day for me. Yes, last night, this morning, it's been very emotional. And my husband and I look at each other all the time. And we remember when we were talking about, you know, the deaths of our parents' friends, or first my grandparents and their contemporaries, and then it was my parents' friends, and then it was my parents. And now I'm at the front of the line. You know, now it's my friends whose names are appearing every day in, in obituary columns. And it's a very different sense of my place in time. And it reminds me all the time, do not forget to live your life, you know, and don't forget to let people know how much they mean to you. And, and, and that's something that, you know, we all have regrets. We'll all have regrets. You didn't visit somebody enough. You didn't call them enough and all that other stuff. But that's a regret that you don't have to have. You can be an active participant in the lives of the people you care about, and you should. So, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm in one of those pensive, thoughtful moods. Thank goodness I have a number of guests scheduled today, too, anyway. I'll check in with Blaze Angolia. There's a firestorm happening in Tallahassee, as most of you know. Um, uh, the governor flew back yesterday to sign the heartbeat bill, which means that once a heartbeat is detectable, you can no longer uh, choose to have an abortion in the state of Florida. And people are just beside themselves, the uh, pro-choice, uh, which is really pro-abortion faction in the state has lost their minds. And of course, the pro-life movement, um, we're trying to be quiet. You know, there's nothing to quell about. This is, this is the way things, I believe, should be. That while that may be a decision that you think is between a, a woman and her doctor, it's a decision between a woman and her God. And for that reason, I continue to champion the, the rights of the unborn. I don't believe anyone should be so cavalier in this discussion. It's a serious, serious matter. And it's not a political matter primarily, even though they'd like to turn it into one. It's a spiritual matter. It's a moral matter. And we don't like to treat it that way because then we have to really think about what it is that we're endorsing. Um, so there's there's that to talk about with uh, Senator Blaise Angolia later on in the show. And then hopefully I'll be able to check in with my son Derek for some totally frivolous um, celebrity news, which uh, I, I'm really going to need by the end of the show. Um, and, and, uh, and I can tell you some great stories, as a matter of fact, regarding Derek, who was a baseball player and a baseball fanatic, and the oftentimes that Norm Kent would take him to the baseball games and they had a great friendship and nobody could figure it out because Derek was a kid. And, uh, you know, then I'd get the usual suspects saying things like, well, I ain't let him hang around with Norm. Norm's a lefty. Norm, Norm believes in pot smoking. And Norm, the, my son and Norm had a bond formed by baseball that nobody could have done. And remember, my, my kids were growing up without a father in the home. So I had male influences that mattered in their lives. And Norm definitely was one of those influences for my son, Derek. So it'd be interesting. And I talked to Derek to maybe hear his stories. 
Anyway, let me take a break. Don't forget to download our app, the 850 WFTL app. You can get it at your Google Play Store, your Apple Store, wherever you get your apps. Or visit the website so you can participate in our cool contest. We're giving away a family four-pack of tickets to SunFest, but the only way you can enter is either on your app or by going to the website, 850WFTL.com. Quick break, and I'll be back. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. You know, the news is all uh, dreadful. And we have now uh, arrested a suspect in the leaking of documents, of Department of Defense documents. And... Apparently, you know, I don't know how anybody can think they can get away with anything anymore because they ended up using the billing records of an internet social media platform and then interviewing somebody who was in a chat room to identify this uh, young man from the Massachusetts Air National Guard they suspect him of being the person who leaked the highly classified um, mater- military documents. And, and his name is Jack Tixera, 21 years old. And, and when you look at the pictures of him, he looks like a young, very young 21. And he's kind of um, just, you would never expect him to be the person that got arrested is all I'm going to say. Uh, and they showed up heavily armed, all these tactical agents, and it was all over the television. And, you know, I still have to ask this question. What, h- how did this young dude get all this information? And then knowing as much as he must have known to have cracked into this information, right, into the Department of Defense, into the Pentagon, He didn't realize that by sharing it on a chat group, which I believe is called Discord, it's a gaming uh, platform, he didn't think that they would be able to find out what was going on. First and foremost, the people in that chat room were spreading it all around the internet. So they just got one person and, you you know, the, you, you look at this interview and it's like we still do things sometimes in the very old-fashioned way, like he's in a shadow and you can't, they change his voice and all this other stuff. There were only 25 people in that group. By now, everybody knows who it was who ratted out uh, Texera, although, you know, we there are times when these kinds of news stories happen when I really have to just sit still with it for a while. I wasn't ready to talk about it. Um, yesterday, and I wasn't ready to talk about it the day before when I saw that they were getting hot and heavy looking for this uh, leaker. You know, would that they could find the leaker who uh, told the whole world that the Supreme Court was leaning towards uh, overturning Roe v. Wade. We still haven't had a, a word about the investigation into that leaker. Hmm, wonder why. Um, and there's certainly a... a the you know why this person thought he could be leading some online chat room and talking about 
typed out documents that he said he had in his home, photographing them. And then, of course, uh, you know, releasing them so that they became available to everyone. And, and it ranges from briefing slides that map out the Ukrainian military positions to all kinds of assessments of international support for the Ukraine and a bunch of other sensitive topics, including uh, under what circumstances Russian President Putin might use nuclear weapons. They called him OG by a member of this online chat group. The name of the group was Thug Shaker Central. Had about 24 people in it, talking about guns and jokes and uh, and this OG character, who we now know to be Jack Texera, was posting material for months that he, he told them was classified, originally typing it out with his own notations, then a few months ago switching to posting images of folded up papers. How did he get access to these records is what I want to know. You know, they keep saying, well, he's an IT specialist. Okay, but there are no safeguards for military communications networks. You know, I I have a... Uh, and a VP, I, I make sure that my transmissions are somewhat protected, but you mean the, the government doesn't, isn't able to keep out somebody without a very high uh, level of security clearance? Apparently not. The Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said that the Pentagon would conduct a review of its intelligence intelligence access, accountability, and control procedures to prevent such a leak from happening again. I mean, give me a break. If this kid could pull it off, what do you think, you know, China is able to do and Russia is able to do? There, there's nothing stopping the, the world leaders from spying on America, and especially now that they know, like, hey, some low-level National Guards guy, you know, 21 years old, got all these documents. Surely we can get documents just as simply. So, uh, you know, I, I, I just don't know. I, I mean, the Pentagon should be humiliated right now. You know, this was a tremendous intelligence breach. And, of course, the usual suspects are congratulating him. I You know, I, I don't know yet what was what was given out there. Um, the, the idea that, uh, that he is probably going to be char charged with treason. I mean, that's the only thing. I mean, he's going to Leavenworth. We can say that. And I just don't know. I, I see some of the usual suspects are out there condemning and some of them are out there c complimenting him. Uh, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene never met a story she could stay away from. I used to have so much respect for her, but not so much anymore because, you know, uh, what is she congratulating him for? We don't even, maybe she knows something I don't know. And and then, you know, saying that he's a white male Christian and anti-war, that makes him an enemy to the Biden regime. Uh, maybe it does. I don't know. I don't think that's uh, that's particularly relevant in this case at all. But, you know, I said she's never met a headline that she didn't want to jump on and do something about. And the NRA convention, you know, uh, obviously you are going to go to that if you have any plans of being the Republican nominee for the president's presidential uh, race. So you've got 
all of them. Uh, you got uh, Governor DeSantis, you got President Trump, you got uh, Nikki Haley, um, all making either virtual or in-person appearances at the event because they better support the Second Amendment or they have zero chance of getting a nomination. And we know that. Not not anymore. Not when we see, uh, you know, the, the insanity of Joe Biden coming after everybody, in particular coming after the Second Amendment. Um, you can't compromise on this one thing. Our government has to treat the Second Amendment with the respect it is owed, and uh, we'll see. We'll see. The Gen Z voters are going to be a deciding factor in this. Some of them are positioning themselves against guns, even conservative young people. So it's going to be interesting. And then, of course, I hope to talk with Senator Angolia about this bill, that uh, six-week abortion ban. And I'm going to tell you all right now, this was a necessary move um, and I think it's going to it's going to grow around the country. I mean, if you want to live in a state where it's uh, unlimited abortion, then go live in a state like that. But for the rest of us who have some reverence for life, you know, we're very pleased that uh, in this state, you you should not be so cavalier about terminating another's life. Anyway, bottom of the hour. Let me take a break. When I come back, hopefully I'll be talking with Senator Blaze Angolia. And then at, 12, at uh, 1245, I'll hopefully be checking in with Derek Hoffman at TMZ. So there's plenty more coming your way. Um, just stay right where you are. All right. And welcome back. Uh, Senator Angolia may be in the uh, committee meeting. Who knows? But if he does uh, get, get call in, we will put him on the air immediately because I uh, I want to ask him about this uh, tax cut plan in addition to the, uh, the, the bill that the uh, governor just signed, and uh, that's SB 300, passed 70 to 40. That's that, what they call the Heartbeat Protection Act, which will ban abortion in, the states, uh, in this state. Um, and it passed mostly along party lines. Um, that was something that we pr predicted would happen, and it did, in fact, happen. But we'll talk about that if Senator Ingolia does call in. Um, and if not, there's certainly uh, plenty of other things that we need to talk about. What, one of those things, of course, is uh, what I believe is going to be the final blow to this Biden administration. And trust me, uh, nothing would make me happier than to see it go down in flames. But this idea that he's going to ask all of us to drive electric vehicles, regardless of our uh, desire to, to continue with gas combustion engines, just makes me crazy. It really does. And remember yesterday, one of the things that I was talking about was how I, like everybody else, have some built-in sort of you know, biases. And I have to be careful that when I'm wrong or I say something that I jumped to a conclusion about that I tell you. And what I, what I was sort of confessing to yesterday was I was so quick to say that it was the level of violence in San Francisco that caused the death of the uh, tech executive Bob Lee in San Francisco. 
um, because of course San Francisco gets a bad rap from me all the time. I have a daughter and and her husband and her two kids that live in San Francisco, so I go there frequently. And it's grotesque. It's a terrible mess. And it used to be one of the most beautiful cities in America. So I jumped right on the bandwagon, blamed the violence and all the rest of that um, for the death. And it turns out, I had to admit that uh, there was an arrest. And it was some tech entrepreneur named Nima Momeni who was with the suspect. They apparently had some kind of argument. And then he killed him. And so... You know, at least I admit that I said things. Everybody else just went silent, right? After all the social media posts that I read that sort of mirrored what I was saying, that, you know, San Francisco's uh, got terrible crime, open-air drug markets, the homeless population's out of control, the streets are littered with glass from people breaking the car windows, and, you know, all of this stuff. And, and you know, that is true, but that's not what happened here. You know, that that is not, this was not a predatory crime. This was not some homeless psychotic. This was an actual targeted killing. And uh, I, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be much more circumspect about a lot of these things and wait for investigations to play out because you can't call yourself a responsible uh, talk show host or a journalist or anything else or a city leader for that matter if you engage in a fight every time um, over whether or not San Francisco is inherently bad, you know, so, uh, you know, I have to do my mea culpas. I wish that other people would do their mea culpas. I wish that, you know, the Biden administration, instead of pretending as they have continued to, that the withdrawal from Afghanistan was a success. I mean, come on, guys. You, nobody believes that. Nobody thinks that. Why would you repeat that over and over again? And it's not just Jake Sullivan. It was the president himself saying, like, oh, you know, well, uh, uh, could have been, could have been worse. Uh, what? You know, what could have been worse than people hanging off a, a plane, than than soldiers on the, on their last day in the country being shot down by a sniper? I, I don't think it could have been any worse, really. But they're still playing that, and and it's so hard. As I said the other day, you can't hide what's really happening anymore because everybody with a cell phone is a journalist. They're all taking pictures. And you have to you have to admit when you make a mistake. All Joe Biden really has to do is say, you know, I was given bad information. We thought it would be a much smoother uh, departure. Um, we will never make the same mistake again. That's all people want. Nobody's going to condemn anybody who tells the uh, the truth and admits that they had a, a tough time making the decision and when they made it they may have made the wrong decision so that's a you know that that's a, something worth considering and and I'm I'm very interested you know the other thing that I wanted to to mention today because again I can admit when I'm wrong right and there are some things that I have not talked about because I just don't know. I don't understand them. But somebody in the Murdoch camp, because this big jury selection is going on right now in the uh, the uh, trial, the libel trial between uh, the Dominion and Fox. And 
the judge apparently already has made up their mind, right? This is a $1.6 billion defamation trial against Fox News. This is a very big deal. And most of it is not happening in front of the public. You have, uh, I believe, the Superior Court judge's name is Eric Davis in Delaware. And he, um, they didn't do this in public. It wasn't the kind of uh, jury selection that I'm ever used to. Uh, he, he's privately questioning prospective jurors. And, and it's done already for this week, and there are no in-court proceedings scheduled for today. But... 300 potential jurors were summoned, and uh, he's got to whittle that down to a panel of 12 jurors and 12 alternates, because this is a very high-stakes trial. Um, it will change many things going forward. So they asked them questions about their news, uh, what, what they watch, whether they watch Fox. And then he didn't want jurors to be asked if they believed the 2020 election was a legitimate or if they had any connection to the January 6th insurrection, which, uh, of course, this is a case that revolves around the decision that Fox executives made after Donald Trump lost the election to allow all the conspiracy theories about Dominion on the, their programs. And the allegations that the Fox guests and, and, and some of the Fox hosts claiming that Dominion and its voting software flipped millions of ballots away from Trump, they say destroyed their reputation. They're no longer a trusted voting technology company. And they kept amplifying these claims. And so now they want their day in court and, and they're gonna get it. Um, the judge has already rejected several First Amendment defenses that Fox hoped to invoke. And he said, no more of this. We're gonna go to trial, Get get yourselves ready because we're going to trial. And then in an 11th hour twist, twist, he told Fox that for withholding evidence from Dominion, he was bringing in an outside attorney to investigate whether Fox misled the court and deliberately hid additional material from Dominion. Now, of course, Fox maintains that it did not do such a thing and that uh, the Dominion lawsuit is a political crusade in search of a financial windfall, but the real cost would be to the First Amendment. So we're gonna see, I, as I said before, for journalists and for people like me, uh, this is gonna be a monumental lawsuit. And that's why I'm, I'm just, I'm just uh, concerned about it. Now apparently, um, Senator Angolia was trying to get through, but wasn't able to, so We'll just reschedule that perhaps for next week at some point um, and just uh, proceed without him today. And, and I do uh, apologize to my audience for not being able to bring that on. Now, you know, the bill, the abortion bill that I was talking about that uh, Governor DeSantis brought, uh, flew back to sign, really sets us apart. It, it means that in the state of Florida, we are gonna expand pro-life protections and we're gonna provide more resources for young mothers and families. Because you see, it's not enough to just say, okay, well, we're not gonna allow pregnancies to be terminated willy-nilly in this, because we had a 15-week ban prior to this. Um, and now with the six-week ban, they did include some exceptions for rape and incest. 
The new law allows abortion up to the 15th week of pregnancy if the woman was impregnated as a victim of human trafficking, incest, or rape, including statutory rape. If doctors determine a pregnant woman is at risk of death, substantial and irreversible harm, or the fetus had a fatal fetal abnormality, abortion is permitted through the first two trimesters. So they were able to negotiate and navigate uh, s through some of these exemptions, and and therefore, you know, some people who were holding back, particularly Republicans who were holding back on voting for the bill, they did vote for it. Part of the bill now includes $25 million to expand the Florida Pregnancy Care Network, which offers pregnancy support and services all across the state, and about $5 million for programs that promote the use of contraception. House members debated over the bill Thursday for more than seven hours on the floor, while Democrats unsuccessfully proffered about 60 different amendments. One would have changed the bill's title to the Forced Pregnancy Act. Oh, yeah, really, they weren't going to do that. And uh, we'll see. There's also some tax legislation that has been passed. I'm going to take a break. Don't forget uh, that Dan Bongino comes up at 1 o'clock. Ben Shapiro at four o'clock, and then we're into the weekend. Hallelujah. But for now, stick with me. I have one more segment to close out today's show. I will be right back. All right, and we weren't sure if Derek was going to be on or not, so we didn't put in his show opener, but that's okay because he's a humble dude out there in Los Angeles. My son, Derek Kaufman at TMZ. How you doing, kid? I'm doing okay. How are you? I can't complain. I'm trying to stay dry. Um, it stopped raining finally, but uh, it was like uh, I was ready to build an ark, Derek. <laughs> well, stay safe over there. We've certainly dealt with our fair share of rain out here, and now it's finally dried out, and you've got it all. Yeah, but I heard it never rains in Southern California. I guess that's not true anymore, huh? <laughs> Sometimes. It hasn't been true the last few years, that's for sure. It's been very, very different. See, Derek is used to my singing, and that's why he was laughing. But that's okay. You can't sing <laughs> I don't even blanch at it. I grew up with it. Right, and you can't sing either, so I don't want to hear anything out of you. But uh, <laughs> that's right. That's um, not that's not our talent. We we, no. we talk. Yeah, that's right. And you know what's uh, you know I I shared with you last night that I lost a dear friend, Norm Kent, and you and Norm used to go to baseball games together. So I know it's got to be touching you as well. Yeah, you know, I, I remember Norm very well. He was a big part of my childhood, and losing him, he's, he's obviously a titan of, uh, you know, AM radio in, in South Florida, but just on a personal level, he was a family friend, and he was so smart and so committed to the things he believed in, so it's a, it's a really big loss. Yeah, it is, and of course, you and him in baseball, that was a bond that couldn't be severed. He even owned the baseball card store. I mean, that was Derek's great passion, but... He will be sorely missed. But I got to tell you, I, I need some some le less than dramatic news right about now. And perhaps that comes in the form of celebrity news, as usual. Although, what happened to, to uh, Jamie Foxx? Looks pretty serious. Yeah, you know, he ended up in the hospital after suffering some sort of medical emergency. It's a serious enough illness that he needed medical care in pretty urgent fashion and was apparently getting good care. And the comment we got was that he was communicating now, which Oof. led 
people to believe that there was a period when he wasn't communicated. Um, and that's very, very concerning because it makes you think of potential brain issues or, or things of that nature, which impair your ability to talk. Um, you know, he's in the middle of shooting a big movie back in action, which is Cameron Diaz's big comeback where they're co-starring together. She hasn't acted in movies in a, in a few years. And so this is a highly anticipated project. And there's still apparently eight days of filming for the movie that are now, uh, really, uh, you know, put on the back burner for his health. And, and this is a big set. You know, he's a big movie star with a tight schedule and everything's in a bit of chaos because of this uh, medical event. I find it fascinating that TMZ doesn't know what the medical event was because you guys have, uh, you know, sources everywhere. Uh, this is like yeah, a, a military secret. <laughs> Yeah, you know, listen, medical medical conditions are very, very private matters. And, you know, families, even in this day and age, like to keep those things close. And, and there's, there's, you know, no, there's a sensitivity about sort of the specifics of those issues that we are uh, interested as journalists, but there are, there are boundaries, and, and this is one of them. Really? I didn't think you guys had any boundaries. It's good to know. That oh, we have plenty. Lots of scruples. All right. Um, but you can talk about Taylor Swift's uh, concerts and how all of a sudden the, her whole life seems to be revolving around her breakup. Yeah, you know, this breakup with Joe Alwyn, he may not be a household name, but they were dating for six years. It was a very serious relationship. Um, and the breakup is now in the middle of her tour. You know, Taylor's on, on tour and she's, you know, made it, making changes already to her concert set. She had this concert in Tampa down in uh, your mm -hmm. neck of the woods, I guess, north of where, where we are in Florida or where I'm from. And she's changing the, the set list because there was a song, uh, the transition song up until this concert was Everything Has Changed, which is about her being in a happy relationship. And she swapped that song out. And now mm -hmm. the transition song uh, is called Holy Ground, which is a song that is more wistful about a failed relationship. So she's in typical Taylor fashion sort of giving her fans and sort of living her private life publicly on stage in the way that has made her such a huge celebrity yeah i had no idea she was as tall as she is i was looking at some pictures of her online and she's like 5'11 oh she is she is long and willowy yeah she's mm -hmm. very 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 tall and, you know, she's, she's beautiful and striking and always is, but who, who knows? Everyone is speculating about her next relationship because, obviously, she's very desirable. She's a huge star. She's beautiful. She's in her prime, in, in, as Don Lemon might say. Right. <laughs> but I meant the prime of her career. Uh, but, you know, she's also, uh, breakups tend to be something that she plays out in songs. So maybe some guys would uh, have a little pause over that. Mm. Well, and the, a big goodbye took place on uh, the uh, Kelly and Ryan show. What are they going to call it now? The Kelly gets rid of another co-host show? Yeah, you know, this is the end of the Ryan Seacrest era. She's bringing in her husband. So he closed out his final day on Live with Kelly and Ryan. And, you know, it was, he walked out with her one last time. There was huge applause. You know, his parents, uh, his sister, everyone was there. Um, and they read Bye Bye Rai Rai. I mean, he's a beloved figure. They developed a very, very close friendship. It was emotional to see them sort of, you know, try to balance the jokiness of the show and their usual banter with the, you know, last day uh, feel of the whole thing. So 
there's a send-off video. His last guest on the show was Dr. Jill Biden. So, you know, this was a huge send-off. And I think the show will be okay. It's in good good hands. She's such a, you know, she's the lead of the show. And even during his tenure, Kelly was sort of the, the big name. And now she'll bring out her, her husband, and we'll see how that goes. Mark Consuelo. Well, she wasn't always the lead, you know. Um, That's she, right. You know, but she really filled in that role after Regis left. I mean, yeah. it, you and I remember the Regis days, and it was always sure. him with, you know, Regis and Kathy Lee, and then Regis and, and Kelly. But now it's Kelly's show. You know, Regis yeah. has been gone a number of years, and, and re- people really do think of her as the anchor. But Mark Consuelos, I mean, does he have—I think he used to act in soap operas, right? He, he did, and so did she. That's where she got her start. So mm-hmm. she's transitioned pretty well. Look, I don't know if a husband-wife team, um, how that dynamic will, will work, if it'll work as well as two friends up there, but we're going to see it. I mean, look, there's another uh, – um, there, there's precedent for this, right? Um, don't don't uh, Joe Scarborough and, and Mika, Mika yeah. they're, they're husband and wife, and they seem to do well. I don't think they do anything. They're just horrifying, <laughs> but <laughs> that's a whole other reason that I don't like them. Um, but yeah, it is, it's tough working with your, your spouse, but, uh, a lot of people had to learn how to do that during COVID because we were all stuck in the house. So you, you had to learn the boundaries of who, what to do and how to, how to act. That's exactly right. And they manage it. They have a social media presence. And so they're very cute and bantery and people do know how Kelly interacts with Mark through their Instagram stories. So we'll just see an extension of that. Mm Mm-hmm. And what will they do? I mean, I, I, I guess nobody really knows. But if Jamie Foxx, uh, you know, can't complete the movie, do they just shut down the movie or do they eliminate his scenes? What do they do? You know, that's a huge question. I think most of it is done because there's eight days left of filming. And, and I think this is a big production where, although those may be important scenes, I think they have a lot of it in the can. It's, there's an open question whether they can CGI it, how involved he is in the remaining scenes, whether they'll be able to work with stunt doubles and people who sort of look like him from behind, whether you some things on film. But I imagine it's going to be pretty uh, difficult to, to, to cut around the star of the film. So maybe they'll just push back, push back the shooting days and everything will get delayed because he's a star you do that for. Yeah, he is. Well, thanks, kid. You took my mind off all of the sad news and put it on some silly news. I appreciate that. You have a great weekend. Same to you all. Take care. Take care. And that pretty much does it for me this week. Um, I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here on Monday at noon, if it be his will and he delays his coming. Um, And I did hear from Senator Blaise Angolia. He was very apologetic. He was stuck on a conference call, but we will talk with him next week. May God bless you, and may God bless the United States of America. Thank you, Hector, for sending in for Sharina. See you all next week. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.